Spags, the bad boys of fantasy football podcasting are back. Who will we get to try to shut us down today? You'll never find another show with more rivalry with a pro wrestling organization than Splash Play. But we are here, and they won't stop us today. Because we've got to talk about some wide receiver trade rumors. DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, are these guys on the move or not? We'll talk about it. Melvin Gordon news, too. Tom Brady news. And, of course, a super flex draft over on Underdog Fantasy. We're bringing the big game today, guys. So hit that intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend and mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, how are you doing on this fine, hopefully sunny for you, Friday? Uh, yeah, not, you know what? It wasn't sunny earlier. We got a bunch of rain yesterday, but it's starting to get nice out, and I'm looking forward to going on a run outside uh, mm -hmm. after this show. So yeah, it's it's Friday. I, I'm enjoying this rhythm we've settled into of Superflex Draft Fridays. I get uh, very excited for this stream. Marks the end of the week for me. So yeah, we're in good spirits. You know, I saw the underdog uh, email this week, the partner email going out. The Superflex big board draft, about 75% full, maybe a little bit more than that by now. So make sure you are getting your entries in there. Use the promo code SPLASH if you want to play along with us. Uh, they'll double your deposit bonus up to $100. So make sure you take advantage of that with the promo code SPLASH over at Underdog. And also make sure you go check out Football Outsiders again. You can always subscribe over at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Some fun stuff coming out this offseason, USFL content going on, as well as our almanac for Football Outsiders, which does come, uh, but I don't know if I should be spoiling it, but it does come with that FO Plus subscription. So uh, get in there now or just check out some of the articles on the homepage. Our guys are doing a lot of great stuff. Have some fun content coming up on the FO streams as well that I won't be a part of. So you can actually hear professional quality analysis from other people out there. Uh, so go to Football Outsiders, check out what they're doing, and even subscribe to the YouTube channel if you want. I think there's one fun show coming up uh, about a week from now. I think Tuesday the 19th, they're going to be doing a mega simulcast with 33rd team, former NFL GM Mike Tannenbaum, and one of Sports Info Solutions guys. And I think it'll be an interesting show that I'm helping give some concepting for so uh they'll bring our, our brand of idiocy over to the <laughs> professional side over at football outsiders and make sure you are of course subscribed to pete's channel subscribe to the splash play channel and pete i just want to give you the floor for a second because i know you're doing a little more with your youtube presence so if somebody's just a splash play listener whether it be on podcast or a viewer on youtube what are people getting out of the new pete pete oversets deposit kingdom that's the official branding right yeah, I appreciate everyone who's subbed up for that channel, despite there being no content there. Uh, I've, I'm working with uh, an editor to help me, you know, make a really uh, polished product. So it's our first time working together. So a little back and forth there, getting all the finishing pieces. But I do really think in the next, hope maybe this afternoon, uh, maybe over the weekend, Monday at the absolute latest, I'll have a, a USFL. Uh, full breakdown up there. And then, yeah, it's going to be the same topics, all the same stuff that I do around here on this channel, but it's just going to be in, you know, shorter form, tightly edited, well-produced, and uh, we'll keep this space here for, for all the live streams. So I'll post the link in there. It is named after in honor of the Deposit Kingdom Discord. So had to keep that name rolling. Uh, I definitely enjoy that name. So yeah, thank you guys. And uh, yeah, nothing's changing around here. Just adding uh, a little spin to, to what I'm doing over there. 
Yeah, I am subscribed there, and I think you know it's really what Pete and I are trying to do, and Pete especially has really uh, been giving us some guidance on what we should be doing to get more things out there and make sure we're just giving people ways to engage with the show where it's hard sometimes to sit down here for an hour for us, but we want to make sure that we're giving you guys that chance uh, to see some of the stuff we're doing and, and what Pete's doing as well with a great diversity of shows on his channel. And also make sure you are subscribed to the Splash Play channel too. We're doing some segmenting on there. Uh, big improvements across the board for everything that we're bringing over the next few weeks and months. So uh, go support us. Give us a little love here. And of course, hit the like button. If you're watching on youtube but pete we got to get oh when is spag's new channel coming out uh i don't know pete i i'm gainfully employed right now so i don't have to do the grind like you do but I, if the people like nick bird are clamoring for it i love nick so i'm willing to do it just you know just for the brand something's weird happening with my comments i don't see that comment yet in uh in my stream <laughs> it's, a, it's a like a special uh subscriber member for seven months comment so maybe that's why it's not coming through on stream oh wow Streamyard rugging me of seeing my guy nick bird's comments i might have to refresh in a sec uh because i love seeing nick's comments yeah to be clear i wasn't making that up that would <laughs> <laughs> i mean i wouldn't put anything past you spags you start right. <laughs> it was that's like uh, at my old job you know, we would do fucking webinars, right? And, you know, at the very end, they were like, okay, uh, we'll take any questions. And of course, it'd always be crickets. And so my boss would make me do planted questions uh, for the webinars, you know, just to make it seem like people were more engaged than they were. It's like, do we really have to keep up the charade? So I could imagine you, Spags, being like, you know what? I'm just going to have some, you know, paid actor comments in here that help me naturally segue uh, us throughout the show. <laughs> We, we've got enough of a base now where people say nice things to me. We have the good shit spags meme. There's a lot of positive things for me floating out there, Pete. And I appreciate uh, the, the nicest of other people that aren't my podcast co-host and, and really best internet friend. I feel like Pete has officially gotten that branding from me. But speaking of best internet friend, we got to hit the news fast so we can get to the draft immediately over on Underdog. Stefan Diggs, Pete, this should be a quick one. He did sign an extension. Four years, $104 million is the actual contract. Uh, $70 million guaranteed. As we all know, the guarantee is what really matters. It's going to be Slightly less than Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill's $75 million guarantee for the Dolphins. But Stefan Diggs, I, I feel like if you're a fantasy player and you kind of tracked him last year and you were maybe buying in on a lot of weeks, buying the dips even, when his salary went down in DFS, I feel like maybe you feel like he doesn't deserve this quite as much, but it does seem like they are rebuilding this offense around him. I think Gabriel Davis seems like he's going to be a key fixture of what they're doing, but it feels like they had to pay this guy what, you know, what he got for it. And you had some fun tweets in the Fantasy Life newsletter as well about just him coming from a guy who used to steal cookies from hotel lobbies to now being a, a hundred millionaire. The funny thing with Stefan Diggs is I... I know he's ridiculous on Twitter. I didn't even have a specific tweet I was looking for. I was like, oh, I'll just scroll through Diggs's timeline, see what his reactions were to the deal. And I immediately get hit with the tweet and I can pull up uh, the, uh, I have it here from in the newsletter. He goes, sometimes I pull up on the double tree to get free cookies, dot, 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 but I don't be staying there. So <laughs> Stefan Diggs just pulling off on the side of the road, going into double trees, dining and dashing, free cookies. And uh, now he just got a contract here uh, for four years, 104 million. So yeah, I thought, um, you know, Sigmund Bloom had an interesting takeaway here in the newsletter. It was only logical that Diggs would want to raise bills doing right by their core players, even though they are paying prime year rate for some of his thirties, he'll be 34 uh, when the deal ends, it won't look as crazy by then with some of the big wide receiver deals coming up in the next year, class of 2019 wide receiver going to get their bags. And I think that is the salient point there is just we see these wide receiver contracts getting bigger and bigger i mean field yates was teasing what kind of contract is jamar chase going to have the Bengals are going to need to start clearing out cap space now so i do think this marks a shift in the nfl and how they kind of value 
the position. It wasn't so long ago that the running backs were getting, you know, monster contracts. And now we see how things are trending and how valuable these alpha wide receivers are. And I consider Stefan Diggs an alpha wide receiver on the best offense in football. So building around him, locking him up with, you know, Josh Allen's prime as well. I think it makes complete sense and keeps that Super Bowl window uh, as big as possible. Yeah, and that's too where you see the difference between fantasy and real life where Diggs, you know, the numbers were down a little bit last year, but he opened up a lot of things for Dawson Knox. When Manny Sanders was running hot at the beginning of the year, that was also large part because of Diggs kind of creating that space for him. When Gabriel Davis went off down the stretch, certainly it was because of more attention going Diggs way. That's just sort of how it goes. So you pay the premium price tag, you get that number one receiver, and you can keep building around it. And the Bills seemingly all in for this year in a way that if you're a Buffalo fan, if you're Bills Mafia for life, you got to be stoked about. Uh, not so stoked, perhaps, would be the Seattle Seahawks fans. They reportedly turned down a trade for DK Metcalf that included the number 10 pick from the Jets that was actually a former Seahawks pick. But it's one of those spots, Pete, where it feels like there's a lot of smoke around DK Metcalf moving. Would really blow up our Drew Locke draft from last week, which would bum me out. But it seems like the Jets, I, I would take more away from the Jets side of this where they really want that alpha receiver. They were in on Tyree Kill. They were in on this DK Metcalf deal. Maybe they'll still swing it before draft day. But it seems like a spot where something could be going on with DK Metcalf. And uh, maybe not great if you are a fan who wanted to keep your young receiver who is has the potential to be a number one alpha guy. Yeah, I mean, 10th overall picks, those are incredibly valuable. And you see the type of wide receivers that get drafted in the top 10 outside of your kind of random anomaly. Shout out to John Ross. Um, but I mean, that those picks are extremely valuable. I think it's interesting to benchmark it relative to this year's wide receiver class, which I believe consensus right now is it's an extremely deep class with lots of different talent and player archetypes that could fit into schemes, but not necessarily the super high end talent that we've seen previously with, you know, Jamar chases. And so trying to compare DK Metcalf to prospects that I think we will see a couple receivers go between picks 10 to 15, who would you rather have? Um, I do think DK Metcalf is worth that. Um, I do really think he is one of the unique transcendent wide receivers in the game. And, you know, for fantasy sake, I do hope he gets traded. You know, I don't want to see him spoil away in his prime with Drew Locke or whoever they bring in to quarterback there. So, I mean, DK Metcalf with Zach Wilson, and then you have Elijah Moore, who I think probably is better suited to be a 1B uh, or a really, really good 2A. I think that would have been really fun. So, yeah, I hope it happens. But, you know, reading through what Seattle Seahawks demand is, and if they're turning down 10th overall picks. I don't know how they get a deal done because that's still a steep price to ask, even admitting that DK Metcalf is probably worth that. And maybe the contracts kind of show where the trade capital is going for the draft, where they might want multiple number ones for DK Metcalf. And that's not something you've been getting in the past with wide receivers, but we'll see how it goes. And again, if you're a Jets fan, I think you have to feel pretty good about them trying to get guys in for Zach Wilson to give him a chance to, to be the deep ball thrower that we know he was and has really graded out as since college. So we'll see how that goes for them. And then the chat already ahead of us, we got it's Mookie saying, what's up with NFL players wiping their social media this offseason when they don't 100% get their way. That's the case for Debo Samuel scrubbed all the social media of all 40 49ers mentions uh, from Irie Myrov over on Twitter. Uh, my sports update Debo Samuel removed his 49ers profile picture, unfollowed the team, and has deleted over 80 posts from his Instagram account. Debo's entering the final year of his rookie contract. Could be, could be something, could be trolling, but it did happen. Doesn't seem great, Pete. Does feel like maybe Debo trying to get an extension, trying to get that pay level up for a guy who established himself as a core part of that offense last year. Probably should be even more important this year, especially if you have Trey Lance in the mix um, instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. But I guess we'll see how that goes. But it feels like either leverage or something, but Debo's certainly unhappy on some level. And do you think there's a chance here that he could possibly get traded? 
I just think it's more funny that we are now clearly in this new era of NFL passive aggressiveness. And these guys don't have a lot of levers to pull, at least publicly. You know, you don't want to come out and, you know, throw the organization under the bus, you know, because then that reflects poorly on you to other organizations and how you might treat them in future deals and stuff. So what is one of the last things these guys could do? Do really passive aggressive petty bullshit on their Instagrams. We saw Kyler Murray do it. We're all trying to read into what this means and it it ultimately is meaningless it's just one of their little things that they can do to signal hey i'm not happy with what's going on i deserve a raise and this is my way of poking the bear publicly without actually having to be accountable for saying what i truly think and then uh, in the chat connor saying these zoomer nfl players are just so entitled smh if you're a player and you're in a league that's single-handedly propping up tv ratings of rumors now of multi-billion dollar deals for netflix or apple or wherever else they do they might make an nfl plus i guess the other rumor that's floating around around out there for nfl red zone and uh just their general selection of games like these guys got to get theirs i'm never going to begrudge them that i agree the histrionics get a little tiresome we talk about a lot on this show that it is kind of tedious to see it over and over again but these guys have to do that to get the money that they deserve and get their fair share. I'm not going to begrudge him that, even though I certainly get the, the take on that one. And Pete, if you want to start the room, we can, but I just want to throw out there, we have the Tom Brady thing, but we kind of touch on that as we go. We've talked about that enough before. But Melvin Gordon, a rumor to be meeting with the Ravens and deep in contract talks. And this is one we've talked about Melvin Gordon a lot in this show. I certainly dug my heels in him being useful last year in fantasy. He was useful, perhaps not as useful as he could have been. But this is really a big one because this would greatly hurt J.K. Dobbins, would greatly hurt Gus Edwards. It would be massive for Javante Williams, who I think is be getting overdrafted in some of the best ball drafts we've done so far. But if you have no Melvin Gordon, in there and you have Javante Williams and a Russell Wilson offense like this is an amazing situation for for him and really for anybody who's bought into him and I think they kind of luck box that one to be honest with where his ADP was yeah I'm torn on this one uh obviously I want Melvin Gordon out of Denver so we can see Javante Williams fly I think uh you know, Javante in that backfield by himself would be uh, a thing of beauty and something all of us will be interested in for fantasy. However, as we've talked about, there's no discount on that right now. People are already drafting Javante Williams with the assumption that he's going to be the lead bell cow back there. And then on the flip side, J.K. Dobbins has been one of my favorite guys to draft early on in this draft season. And what? why do we call it the running back dead zone? Because there's also, or there's often things that can go wrong, whether with free agent additions, whether with guys coming in with the draft and stuff. And so I know I'm playing a dangerous game when I draft JK Dobbins, but I did really feel like he's kind of positioned more closer to his floor right now in that offense. So Melvin Gordon going there would obviously be bad news because I think it would really cap J.K. Dobbins' pass-catching ceiling. I think they would probably use them kind of interchangeably um, where Melvin Gordon would come in for a drive and then J.K. Dobbins as, as opposed to like a role-specific kind of function in the offense. And, and Melvin Gordon, I, I have to tip my cap to you, Spags. You were, you were pounding the drum for him last year and he hung in there neck and neck with Javante Williams. And I don't see any reason why he couldn't hang in there with Melvin Gordon. And the team's not just going to bring someone in uh, just for fun, like you would think that he would have a role. It still is kind of perplexing to me because I think Gus Edwards is pretty good too and kind of a perfect complement to what Dobbins does. So maybe they're a little concerned where Dobbins is on his recovery. I don't know. It's It seems a little weird to me, but I think the Ravens are kind of like the 49ers, right, where they just can never have too few running backs in their stable. Yeah, last year you saw them with Freeman and Murray giving a lot of touches that way. You know, Melvin Gordon, I think for whatever you want to 
ding him for. He's certainly going to be more effective than those guys were at this point in their careers. And we know he's an end zone, you know, a red zone touch kind of hog. He's also a decent pass blocker. So there's a lot of ways this can upset the backfield. But I'm with Swaggy P in the chat. If Melvin Gordon's gone, Javante to the moon. I, I believe that. I wouldn't have believed that if Melvin Gordon were coming back. But now it's looking pretty good. And as you can see here, it is time to do our best ball draft. Of course, super flex over an underdog. As I mentioned earlier in the show, about 75% filled, probably closer to 80% right now. So get in there and use the promo code SPLASH to double your deposit bonus up to $100. And actually, Pete, I forgot I wore this hat. You have your merch on. Uh, I got to flip the underdog hat because really one of my content bits is always flipping my hats for things. And I don't know why that's that's the lazy man's way of, of production value. <laughs> Yeah, and we were even tilting uh, our buddy Bullock in the chat. He says, Spags flexing the UD apparel that we can't get on last show. And now I have my, uh, it's actually a sweater, not not a hoodie. Uh, and he wants to unsub because he's so tilted that we are wearing the threads that he can't get access to. It's honestly, though, this shows where we both fall in the underdog rankings, though I did get the two onesies for Lucas. So, you know, we have not seen that on the show. Obviously, it'd be tough to bust that out in my personal attire. But you can see that Pete's getting the VIP underdog attire, a Nike branded one. I got the hat they give out to anybody with an underdog little card, a little business card, probably when I, at a, a meeting or a trade show. Um, so that's where, you know, now we all know where we stand accordingly. Yeah. Oh, I mean, wait till I show you uh, kind of the underwear, the underdog underwear, too. So <laughs> some things are so exclusive that I can't even reveal it on stream. Though we all know our boy Nick Ercolano, certainly the king of it all with the neon underdog sign. Like that's that's the apex predator of the underdog hierarchy. I know. Yeah. And there's a there's a few of those floating around out there. Um, and so I, how do how do I top that? Um, what I what I really want to get um is for when I do randomizer drafts, I want to get an actual wheel, like a Price is Right style wheel so I can have all the prompts on a physical wheel. So maybe I get the underdog branded uh, wheel and then I can just say to everyone, I have the coolest set piece. I mean, look, it's it's all about a big flex here. And uh, of course, make sure to play on underdog for yourself. And and honestly, people out there, I hear from a lot of people who are trying to do content around you know sports and fantasy football. Somebody reached out about USFL content, um, underdog face tattoos, certainly got to be in the mix. But you know, you got to keep that in mind that if you just grind hard enough, you can get yourself some free underdog apparel for your for your livelihood as well. We are on the clock, Pete. Which way do you want to go here? I'll let you kind of dictate I, the conversation. I, I, no, I I haven't had the 102 a lot. Um I, so I haven't had a lot of Mahomes, and I do feel like Mahomes and Allen are kind of in a little mini tier by themselves, but I'm open to uh, suggestions if you have a guy you really want to get. Let's do Mahomes. Let's do it. Because we have a Mahomes already, but we don't have him. We have a Mahomes with Tyreek Hill, I believe. Right. Yeah, and the thing that's tough is I have been not minding taking, you know, Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey, but you can often get those guys at 1-6, 1-7, even sometimes 1-8 if it's a super QB-hungry room, which most of these are. So I have a little harder time, you know, pulling the trigger on, say, a JT at 1-2, 1-3, just knowing you can get them at 1-6. But I, I don't know. Chat, do you guys disagree with me that there's a tear drop from Josh Allen and Mahomes to Herbert? Um I guess you can make some cases against Mahomes having lost Tyree Kill, but I still feel like adding Juju, they're going to add someone in the draft. I still feel like he has the talent level to put up a, a monster QB one season. I'm with you on it. I think if anything, it makes Mahomes more valuable. It makes the stack a little bit less easy to kind of wrap your head around and have the confidence level. Um, though obviously Juju and Kelsey going to be there. Juju's ceiling, I think, still not going to be anywhere near where Tyreek Hills would have been. Um, so yeah, I've, I feel like people saying definitely a teardrop. 
I would agree. I feel like I would put Herbert and Wilson in the same tier more than I would uh, put Herbert with Mahomes or Allen. And I think, I, I don't think that's a hot take by any stretch. I would hope. Yeah. Although Paul's saying he would take Herbert over Mahomes, So it definitely really? isn't, uh, we don't have a lock consensus on this take. And um, I mean, it shows why their, their ADPs uh, are so close. Um, I, I think it, I, I do think it, I, I obviously think there's a tear gap, but I also don't begrudge anyone having that debate because this offense has seen a lot of turnover right now, but I think everyone has to agree that Mahomes as a talent is unquestionable. You know, like we don't, we don't have concerns about Mahomes. It's more, how does this offense look? Do they shift a little more run heavy in spots, whatever it may be. Um, and, and obviously Tyreek Hill is going to lead to their offense looking a little different. Paul, an interesting take to follow up on his uh, his Herbert takes where uh, we have yet to see Herbert ceiling. That is the case. Certainly, we talk a lot about the year one to year two jump, year two to year three, and that is where you know Herbert's going to be this year. So I think you could make that case. The issue for me is you are paying for a little more if you're taking Mahomes over him. Like you're paying an appropriate price for Mahomes, whereas Herbert hasn't fully shown that ability. And, and certainly, you could see some things move around with them running the ball a little bit more, just take some onus off of them. Or you know, like the injury is also a concern too. I, I just have a little more confidence overall in Mahomes but I can get people standing for Herbert a little bit more. Yeah. And one other reason why I feel like you just almost have to take a quarterback at two is because, you know, you can see some incredible QB runs here and, you know, chops, this is a sharp draft. So Jamar chase is going at two, one, like I've gotten Jamar chase at two twelve with a Josh Allen. Like I've gotten the Josh Allen, Jamar chase, Justin Jefferson start from the one hole. And you look at the potential two V twos of like, okay, Patrick Mahomes and Jamar chase, obviously not in this draft versus if you go Jonathan Taylor and whatever quarterback is available at the end of two twelve, And it's like, I'm still going to want, um, the Mahomes Jamar chase over the Jonathan Taylor. And let's just say, Derek Carr, Deshaun Watson, which I think is what you'd be looking at there. So I, I just knowing how these quarterback runs go, um, I prefer to be in the middle if I want to play chicken in waiting for some quarterbacks to drop. Whereas you can get really squeezed out when you're on the ends. Terrence also saying in the chat and Terrence, if I mispronounced uh, your name there, I'm sorry. There's an I in Terrence for him. So I don't want to, I don't want to give any disrespect in case he is Terrence, uh, but saying Casey's a new land of the misfit toys with Jones, MVS and Hardman. To me, that makes sense though, because you're taking guys who have some draft capital or have had some production in the past. Like that is sort of what a smart team does when they start to get squeezed by the cap and Kansas city has been squeezed by the cap pretty hard. I think that's sort of where you want to go is guys who maybe didn't fulfill their promise and still have a chance or young enough to get there. So I think that's a smart strategic move more than anything, even though you can kind of look at it the other way and say, these guys flopped in other spots or didn't at least reach their potential. Um, not, not including Hardman, of course, but I think that's sort of what you want to do is like guys who are former first rounders in the NBA. It's always worth taking a flyer in that different sport, but same principle. Yeah. And you know, the Island of misfit toys, that uncertainty is actually great for best ball stacking. You know, the consigliere here talking about the flexibility it gives you with Kelsey, Juju, all of the misfit toys that Terrence mentioned. Um, I like having all those backdoor stack options later in the draft too. So you don't ever feel like I have to reach for my stacks, just knowing like there's another KC player who will probably have a, a two touchdown game at some point in the season. Um, and there you go. And we got blown up on our stack already. Travis Kelsey going to stanking you and stanking boy, boy, dumb. I don't know how to pronounce that one, but either way, he just snaked us there and blew up our Mahomes stack. Yeah. Um, that's, that's all right. I, we can live without that. So we're obviously going to have two picks here. Um, I, you know, 
with this news about Melvin Gordon, I wouldn't mind getting our first uh, Javante Williams share. What what else looks interesting to you? I obviously love Diggs. Um, what are you thinking? Yeah, Javante reasonable because there could be some games that work, but I think Javante, we talked enough about him here. Let's do it. All right, we're going to grab Javante here, um, slightly ahead of ADP, but I do think, you know, he, he was going at like the 110, 1, you know, 11 in some of those pre uh, or non-superflex drafts. Um, we obviously aren't going to have access to him if we were to wait to another round. Although I'm just wondering, I'm just, I'm rambling, but I'm talking it loud if we should have taken Diggs first. Um, but I don't mind it. Who do, who do you like now? Because we could go Adams. I like going Adams here. Cause I think, yeah. I think the AFC West, the shootout division, like I think you're going to see a lot of 50 point totals in there every single week. And I think to me that screams that like, there's just going to be shootouts over and over again. So I think making a bet on the division, having a lot of scoring and just get, you know, these teams having to keep up with each other. Like, I think that's one way to play this where it's not a straight step, but it's like, you know, the tide's going to rise with the fact that these have the best four QBs, I think in a division that uh, I've seen in the NFL, probably my, my time doing this professionally for sure. I, I think that's a good, um, I think that's a good point. Obviously, once the schedule comes out and for BBM, people are going to be looking very closely at those week 16 and 17 matchups. We obviously don't have that now, but we do know that teams within their conference are going to play each other twice. And often those games happen in week 17. It was the monster, you know, Jamar Chase versus the Chiefs game this last year. Those are often, uh, you know, divisional games. So I don't hate that what might seem like a slight galaxy brain, but we have so few known factors right now that that is one thing we know for sure will happen with the schedule. So I think that's probably uh, a micro edge worth uh, thinking about. I will uh, strongly disagree with GA here who says Javante uh, Williams will always be in a running back by committee. Um, His prospect profile, where he was drafted, how the Broncos are handling Melvin Gordon in free agency, his overall pass catching skill set, everything in his profile points to being a, a bell cow back. Does that mean he's going to get 98% of the touches like Christian McCaffrey? No, but I think he will be uh, in the good side of, uh, of a committee. You know, he strikes me as like an 80, 20 guy on the 80 side. So yes, yeah, someone else will get touches there. None of these guys in this version of the NFL um, get a hundred percent of the touches um, other than I guess Najee Harris, but I think he is going to uh, really deliver on that. Assuming Melvin Gordon leaves. Yes, Mookie asking anybody know when schedules come out. I think it was mid-May last year, if what I'm seeing on Google is correct, though Google's a little bit weird about this. Um, do you remember offhand? I feel like it's usually like May-ish. You get the, the at least the benchmark games and um, and then maybe the full schedule a little bit after that. Uh, yeah, normally it's, I thought it was after the draft that we get the yeah. schedule or maybe it's before. And also I misspoke. I don't know why I said chiefs Bengals uh, was divisional there. Um, also one thing to hit on real fast with, uh, with all the stuff going on in the NFL, um, NFL draft coming up, Pete, and that means we have to do our off season episode draft. So I think that should be, uh, the Monday of NFL draft a week. We should probably put a, a pin in that because I'll have to prepare it on the back and we might even get some graphics this year. Now that we have a full resource from our team over at football outsiders and the marketing squad and all that. Um, I think we need to dig in here and I think I need to start thinking about a big board. All right, there you go. So the, some of the teas out here. Also, uh, Nick Bird was earlier asked about our WWE beef. Oh, yeah. Um, who, you want to touch on it real fast? <laughs> yeah. So those of you who turned in last week, we were just talking about Pat McAfee, and I wanted to show Spags a couple of the clips that I thought uh, were great. 
And I knew I, we were going to get demonetized, but it's like, whatever, you can't run YouTube ads. Who cares? It was worth showing the clip. No, they actually took down the entire stream because we shared what? A 20 second clip from Twitter and then weren't even trying to monetize it. I mean, these people are in, out of control. Like I used to work there. I think since I, I was there, like they've, when actually when I was there was right out of college and like they were starting to kind of button up the professionalism stuff that was maybe a little bit lacking during the, the attitude era that people might look most fondly upon. And now it's like, it's a full billion dollar company and they make those billions of dollars off of uh, protecting that content, making it premium, you know, keeping the ratings, you know, for as much as NFL does to prop up TV ratings, WWE has been single-handedly propping up USA's ratings for a while now. I think they, they get more of a benefit from Fox than they give Fox, but overall, like that's sort of the thing with them that I get it, but also like it's literally was a clip from their own social media. <laughs> like I think at a certain point, let people talk about the brand a little bit, especially when it's a, a crossover moment like that where you just wanted to, to share the love of a, of a guy, Pat McAfee, who's a former football guy doing very interesting things in a, in a new field. Yeah, I mean, just think of how backward that logic is. Obviously, I get if we were trying to monetize or profit off of that and somehow, but what we are doing for them is, oh, maybe there's some NFL fans and fantasy fans who like Pat McAfee who might be interested in watching wrestling that they would know for other reason watch because they thought this clip was entertaining. God forbid we would be expanding our reach to an audience uh, that might be interested in this. I mean, it's just such dumb logic. Also, which team is Casey's? Because everybody in the chat saying I'll lust that team all day. People, nice Casey. Where I don't like that we're on a, a stream with somebody in the chat who's just getting all the praise while we're here just blabbering hey, on about nothing. I guess let's uh, we'll we'll figure this out um okay. in a second. Darren Waller. <laughs> I know. So I like Kyle Pitts more than Darren Waller, but I kind of like this FC West theme that we have going. Yeah, I think it works, and we can, and we can get Derek Carr. Like we know he's gonna. No, be, Derek Carr's uh, long gone. gone. I trust you. I do. Yes. I, I think I know that most people will probably consider them all in a similar tier, but in my mind, I have pits in a slightly higher tier than Waller. Okay. No, I think that's reasonable. And certainly with the moves they've made, it does seem like Pitts just has to take on a bigger load. And, and again, I'll keep harping on it, but that year one to year two jump is a very important thing. Whereas Waller, we've certainly. Yeah. And I'm not opposed to, you know, stacking without the quarterback, but I do think in this instance, we don't have car and we are betting that Devonte Adams has the huge touchdown market share in that offense that will, you know, come at the expense. So I'd rather try to thread the needle where Devonte Adams scores an outsized portion of the Raiders touchdowns and Kyle Pitt scores an outsized portion, as opposed to that offense is go so nuclear that both Waller and Adams score a lot. Um, all right, so we're back on the clock here. I think we do need to at least consider quarterback um, because we will yeah. see another massive run before the next time we pick. I think Matt Ryan would be my guy here. Yeah, did we take Zach Wilson last time? I think we did. We've definitely have taken him on one show. I don't know if we took him the last time out, but Matt Ryan, I know Pete, you posted in the Fantasy Life newsletter, going to breakfast with Michael Pittman already, which I mean, if we're talking about you know preseason vibes, this isn't even preseason breakfast. This is April breakfast, which means really you know, Michael Pittman, 2000 yard year. seems like it's ahead. Yeah. Um, Josh says Mariota hates tight ends though. Um, I personally don't think Mariota is going to be playing or starting that many games for the Falcons this year. And I do think Pitts is such uh, an undeniable talent that he is going to earn his targets. And so I, I feel pretty, pretty comfortable about him at this price. Uh, Paul asking, how do you feel about bully tight end? I mean, I like it. Um, it's just so hard to pull off in Superflex, where um, you're you're leaving so much 
on the table when you grab two tight ends in the first five rounds, right? Because you're really kicking your QB two can down the road. You're, or you're having to do it at the expense of a potential bell cow running back. And we already know how valuable the quarterbacks and running backs are in this format. So I, it's not my preferred strategy in the super flex. Um, I do like it though, more in the, the best ball mania stuff. And I know Michael, Michael Dubner at Rotoviz has done some really good research on that. And it again is still a relatively small sample size, but the bully tight end has been uh, pretty successful in non super flex best ball formats. Also, you see this chat from the consigliere. I, I need more details here, but saying that I was a hot topic on the Osmo Live Before Lock show, which um, I'm saying in the chat, I would say if you're playing NBA DFS, you're not watching that show. You're doing yourself a disservice every day. Uh, but they were talking about whether sex is a sport in my pals. Greg Ehrenberg, of course, we've had on Splash Play both seasons we've done the show and a uh, great guest as well. Josh, we've not had on because he hates the NFL. Uh, but I don't know the context here, Pete, and I, I hope it's positive, I presume, based on that being two of my buddies. As we all know, uh, my friends love and cherish me and always treat me positively on any content pieces. There you go. That actually reminds me uh, a little plug in. Josh was asking me about MMA takes. Uh, Brian and I, Brian Hooper, a.k.a. Brick75, it's our 200th slash 100th episode of Lulz. And uh, on Saturday night, we're going to do a special uh, UFC live stream kind of hang, sweat our lineups, celebrate a little bit. We're going to have some giveaways. And some of the Osmo crew, including Ehrenberg, are going to be joining us for that. We're going to have a Cody Main from ETR swing by, John Kelly, who does a lot of good MMA content on his YouTube channel, and uh, Osmo and Ship My Money as well. So it'll be uh, a rollicking good time on Saturday night. I think we're going to kick it off around 9 p.m. when the main card uh, starts. So if you have some MMA lineups or just want to grab a drink and chill with us, that will be uh, Saturday at 9 p.m. tomorrow. Very exciting card too with uh, any any Chimaev card I'm in on. Like uh, it sucked that he had his COVID battle that kind of knocked him out for a little bit and he he fake retired as, as fighters tend to do. But Chimaev is like my favorite dude in MMA like by a wide margin. He is like pure Mike Tyson ass kicker like in a way that uh, very few guys are. I was listening to Ariel Hawani talk about him this week. He's doing five a days, Pete, of training right now <laughs> because he is just that much of a beast. Like if you're going to bet your money on anybody, whether it be actual betting or DFS, I know the bet itself, honestly, I think he's like minus one. 1000 right now against Gilbert Burns. Um, but DFS wise, like, I don't know how you wouldn't play Shemaev in pretty much every lineup. I mean, that's the beauty though of, of MMA. Like there is still a lot of variance And what, what weight class are those guys? Are those, uh, a welterweights, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So it's not quite the variance that you see with the heavyweights where it's just like one random punch and, mm -hmm. and it's over. But honestly, I, I guess you're right. Like the super extreme favorites aren't as fun for DFS because they carry such large ownership. But when they're more reasonable favorites, that's when you can really capitalize because I think of all the sports that I've been playing for DFS, that's where you see the most kind of discrepancies in ownership relative to the field's confidence in in a, a favored fighter. So I kind of like those opportunities for building more contrarian lineups. Although maybe it'll be famous last words and I'll have like 80% of the underdog and then my night will be over. Yeah, I th MMA, honestly, I know a lot of the Osmo guys and it's good that you're having them on and Brick as well has done a great job with it. Like so much of it is knowing, you know, what the exact probabilities are of these guys winning and then having a read on what their chances of a knockout are and their performances. Like MMA is one sport where in the beginning of the pandemic, like I had like, I think three first place finishes on DFS and various tournaments. Um, a couple of them were chops a million times over because that happens in MMA. But 
it's really worth playing, honestly. Like, I, I just don't have the bandwidth. I, I haven't been playing M NBA DFS this week just because uh, the, the baby pull is getting to be a little bit heavy on me along with a lot of work stuff. But I, I would say, you know, watch that stream with Pete tomorrow and and play because this is a, a nice card, and I do think Peter Jan's going to be undervalued. He's the favorite in Vegas, and I think people are going to tend to take the champ a little bit more in some of the big tournaments. All right. We are back on the clock here. I am glad that we grabbed our quarterback Mm -hmm. I do think this looks like a pretty nice zone for running backs. There's, of course, my guy, J.K. Dobbins. I don't mind Jacobs. ETN has been one of my favorite picks in this range. I would push for one of those running backs. I'm I'm a non-Josh Jacobs, I think. I think we can get the the Vegas stack without, you know, like, or you get the Vegas production, rather, and fade Waller, and I think that's going to be a unique construction here. You could have talked me in ATN, though, just because I think the pass catching is going to be there in a major way. Um, I think he's going to be a nice safety valve for Trevor Lawrence, but I think Josh Jacobs, I have, just have a lot of, I have a lot of FOMO about the potential of missing out on him if he ends up being like that Damian Harris or Mondre Stevenson type of back in this Josh McDaniels offense. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with that. And then I would say here, um, are you kidding me? Little Miss Brady, you took I was about to say we need to take Pittman here because he's not gonna fall. He just took him like 10 spots ahead of ADP. I was gonna make we should just lock him up. Well, throw that out the fucking window. I see now I wish we had taken Pittman because I really I like Pittman a lot I think you know not just the breakfast thing like obviously you can make that joke but like Matt Ryan needs somebody that he can trust and Pittman you know putting in the work right now like it's not just breakfast like they're running routes already and putting in the work like I think Pittman's going to be a breakout guy this year well he's gone and he's gone. <laughs> so I, I I would prefer structurally where we're at uh I guess you could talk me into just doing Dobbins or ETN here and then just really going ham on wide receivers in the in the back half of the draft. I think let's let's do ATN. We, we okay. missed out on the guy that we would have liked at receiver. Like at least let's let's deviate from the norm then and not just scramble to take another receiver just to fill what we wanted. Yeah, and then I think the way we're set up now is we can we kind of have uh, a hyper fragile running back core here um, where I feel really good about these three. We can just hammer wide receivers um, from a volume perspective and then, you know, tack on a couple other running backs late to round it out. Um, Bullock saying, how could I not lust other teams when you draft Josh Jacobs? I think this is one Pete I'm going to dig my heels on. I think this is the year that Josh Jacobs puts together. Josh Jacobs puts together and, and actually has like the year that it feels like he should have as a volume back who had a little more pass catching last year. Like I really think this is the year he puts it all together. And I don't know if you want to wager against me on this one, Pete, but I feel like Josh Jacobs top 10 back is I would put money on it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't think that's an outlandish take. I'm not rushing to snap except uh, mm -hmm. a bad spags bet as i am known to do uh here and there i think that's a fair line and he's not he's not old enough to to fit your criteria of just wanting to be mean to him as a result <laughs> i feel like he's still he's still got some youth on his side and um he makes the mistakes of youth as well as we saw last year some of his uh his faux pas yeah i mean he's for the most part you know fended off a legit you know, pass catching running back carving into his workload, you know, that we've had the Jalen Richards over the years. He obviously Kevin Kenyon Drake is there, but none of them carved it out in a way that, you know, really hurt him from a touch projection standpoint. He's controlled the goal line work. And then you get excited about him this year because the potential efficiency of the offense and just that being uh, a high scoring offense and him being the beneficiary of lots of, of goal line carries. So I don't think it would be absurd to see him. Like when I look at where, you know, Joe Mixon is getting drafted, you know, Josh Jacobs, you know, potential to put together a Joe Mixon esque season 
uh, and jump a few rounds in draft value seems very on the table to me. Connor vocalizing a decent uh, take here. Kenyon Drake will be back and get his normal work. I think that's a reasonable take to have if you don't get if you don't get Josh Jacobs, then you're playing against that type a little bit, and you could take Drake later on. But I also think there's just as high of a likelihood of Drake getting cut because he doesn't fit whatever Josh McDaniels wants. And I don't see, hey, you know, fellow Josh never going to go against Josh Jacobs. But also, like, I just think that's not going to happen with Josh Jacobs. Like, I think he's going to be there. Kenyon Drake, uh, I don't know, like it's a new regime, and he's a backup back who's coming off an injury. Like, there's a lot of ways he just doesn't end up there or adding value in a material way. Yeah. Uh, Josh says, why would we be excited about a running back? I wouldn't say uh, drafting a running back at the end of round six is necessarily being <laughs> excited. Um, I liked what it did for us um, structurally here. And uh, I know there were some good wide receivers on the board, but I like messing with the different structures. And I think doing this modified hyper fragile here where we can now punt, you know, running back four and five pretty far down the road and just absolutely hammer wide receivers here. Uh, I feel pretty good about it. We'll, we'll obviously take a detour for a QB three at some point. We'll take a detour for a tight end two, potentially a tight end three, depending on how late we take our tight end two. But I mean, it's, it's time to rip off some wide receivers here and looking at the board. Um, we're in the, we're in the best ball range of wide receivers here. Um, Marquise Brown, Brandon cooks, Gabriel Davis. I think we should snipe. Little Miss uh, Brady on Gabriel Davis after he took Pittman from us and he's setting up this Josh Allen dig stack and it's time to twist the knife. I think that's fair. We It happens to us every time, Pete, and normally we still try to draft the right way and do the right thing here, but you know I'm always on board for a spite pick and I think we're, <laughs> we're firmly <laughs> in spite pick territory. I mean, I, I'm also interested in Amon Ra if he's still there. Um, I Either of those guys I would be interested in. HR also asking a fair question is Michael Thomas Twitter, not doing it enough for you to draft him. I'm intrigued by Michael Thomas. I just got burned so bad by that last year. I was drafting him a little bit of ADP or at least with it. And I just don't need to be there. I, I like, I don't, uh, I think there's a chance he could certainly come back and be, you know, the, uh, really a top 10 receiver like he was in the past. Um, if not a top five guy, but like, what's your confidence level for that? It, for me, it's just not high enough. And it feels like there's a lot of weird stuff going around with the saints. Like what if Winston doesn't start the year, he's recovering well, but there's a lot of ways where Mike Thomas could just not be, not be the dude he was in the past or not even worth where he's getting drafted right now. Yeah. Um, all right. We're on the clock again, man. I, I don't love taking Renfro Jacobs and, um, Adams. Mm -hmm. I'm not entirely opposed. Lockett seems like, the best bet in here for me. Uh, I also still like Tony. Who do you like in this range? Um, I would go Lockett over Tony, but we took him last week though. <laughs> so Bags. maybe take Tony. I mean, we don't we don't have to worry about micro diversification across every <laughs> single draft. I love your phraseology. Like people are pointing out in the chat, modified hyper fragile, the name Pen Ants will never recover. I do think you're very good with that. You're like your branding for these various uh, phrases within the the best ball draft world is always impresses me week to week. No, it's just how you, you sound smart and you piss people off all at the same time. I mean, that doesn't that sound like a win win for us? It's true. Micro diversification is where it's at. That also sounds like it could be some economic concept that we know nothing about. Yeah, or or talking about uh, what you look like in your underdog boxer briefs. <laughs> that is a fair point. Look, <laughs> if underdog wants to send me some boxer briefs along with that little sweater Pete's got on. I'm willing to I'm willing to wear it all on the show if I need to. Uh, um, yeah, we're now seeing uh, a pretty good wide receiver run here. I was also going to bring up 
um, before he went. And it was right after I said, you know, I don't envision Marcus Mariota playing um, a bunch of the season. But I was going to say he was probably in play for us as our QB3 uh, to stack with Pitts and then just being done at Mm -hmm. quarterback. Um, But he goes, and like I said, I don't have supreme confidence in Mariota holding onto that job for the whole year. So I wasn't heartbroken on that. I also, I like Malik Willis a lot. We've talked about it on the show. I do think, you know, he's a guy that certainly could be the one that the Falcons take to back up Mariota and eventually supplant him. I would not take Willis over um, over Davis Mills right now, especially, you know, the Texans somehow re-signed uh, Brandon Cooks to an extension, which was a surprise given that they were rumored to be trying to shop him around for a trade. But I feel like Davis Mills, like, they're going to be behind a lot. They're not a good team. Mills was competent enough that, like, I, I like Willis. I just think you're going to get more floor and potentially more ceiling with Davis Mills this year. Yeah. Um, I still just don't have firm enough takes on, on these rookies to, to know. I mean, I generally err on the side of, you know, the black box rookie and and whatever might be in that, in that mystery box. On the other hand, Davis Mills, I still want to get excited about these quarterbacks who have potential to grow in year two. And he was, he was solid last year. Um, he's also just kind of hard to, I get, I guess you have your backdoor stacks with him, Brevin Jordan, uh, Nico Collins potentially. Um, but yeah, yeah. I don't know why I'm having a hard time, uh, getting excited about Davis Mills, but I think he's a perfectly fine pick. I also am seeing our pal Corbin Welsh is in the draft as well. He's always <laughs> popping in to take some of our finest picks. So Corbin, not in the chat, but is uh, drafting along with us on underdog. Yes. I'm so glad that you have become the impression guy and I can just sit back and, and revel in it. You know, after a full, a full season of, you know, putting in heavy work as Nana Pete, you know, now you found our off season version of Nana Pete, which is a Corbin impression. Yeah. It's, it's me vaguely Cockney, vaguely New Zealandish, And then uh, my Italian accent, and that's pretty much all I have in the repertoire besides ones that would get me canceled. Yes, please, please don't get us canceled. <laughs> uh, Mark Smith Productions also making a good point, not to mention the Taysom experiment will never end. He's still there to snipe TDs. It actually is one worth uh, maybe dinging Michael Thomas a little bit for where uh, it's a new offense. They clearly still value Taysom Hill, and there's enough weirdness there that, yeah, I just I agree. Like Taysom Hill is just a, an albatross on everything you want to do fantasy-wise. <laughs> Corbin didn't want to interrupt our <laughs> hyper-intelligent conversations. That's classic Corb for you. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a day today where, where the chat is talking about DCAing and uh, dollar cost averaging, you know, just a very heady show for us today on a Friday. Yeah, people really take, really bring in the brain power in a day where I was, <laughs> there was four hours of me being awake this uh, this morning, Pete, from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. And you know what I did? I bought myself a basketball hoop on Amazon. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll ask about that in a second after we do these two picks. Um, Ayuk goes, I'm good with Kirk or Bateman here. I like Kirk. I'm intrigued by that. All right. And we uh, continue to make our bet on the Jags. Who wouldn't be excited about placing a bet on the Jags? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, as you know, Pete, <laughs> as well as anybody, uh, every year it's bound to pay off. And Christian Kirk, as we've also talked about, a very attractive girlfriend. And I think that's only going to rise the tide for old Christian Kirk. Yeah. We all have our little player nuggets that we like to pull out when we draft a guy. It's fags will always remind you. Ozzy Osgood, all right. Instagram. <laughs> if you want some insights, there apparently Pete, their French Bulldogs, been having some health issues. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> is that is that serious? Yes, I think I forget his name. I think it's Blue, might be their dog's name, but they, they post a lot about him, or she posts a lot about him, and uh, yeah, uh, um, hope that dog gets better. All right, I'm gonna push for uh, Bateman here. We need some okay. uh, young okay. upside uh, potential. 
I'm not the biggest Bateman believer, but I get it. And I think I do think you could have made the case. People are saying we should have taken maybe consider taking Dawson Knox. I do think Dawson Knox is a little bit intriguing because we didn't take digs early. So maybe that touchdown regression doesn't go his way. And we did get Gabe Davis. But um, but I think Pete, you, you don't love taking multiple receivers without the QB generally, right? Yeah. And, and Knox is a guy I'm having a hard time with Knox um, in a vacuum, basically outside of Josh Allen stacks right now, just because I feel like he's a little pricey on this side of the tier. And I think cost adjusted, I prefer Gesicki. I prefer Alberto. We know Friar Moose been really cheap as he just goes right here at pick 125. So I feel like he's at the top of a tier, um, but that the tier's pretty flat and I don't mind waiting unless I have Josh Allen and want to get that stack. Uh, yeah. And then also, uh, it's Mookie saying thought we were gonna take MVS there. We probably could have, but I think, I just think he's a little overdrafted and I would rather have Bateman. So I was actually okay with just letting you go that direction. Yeah. And we, we still have a couple chiefs guys. We, we should, pr- uh, probably make sure we get at least one stack there. And, uh, that's actually, I, I had completely, uh, zoned out on the chiefs to be, completely honest and forthcoming. <laughs> okay. there. I thought that was deliberate that you're like, I like Bateman enough. And I, I no. like, I agree. Bateman's probably going to be a better player than MVS. No, I do. I do prefer Bateman uh, to MVS, but I, I should also be cognizant of our stacks. And as uh, Bullock points out, MVS is definitely better in best ball. That is true. And, and that's why Corbin Welsh here went back. I think Corbin's also like Corbin doesn't like the accent. And I think he's starting to take some spite picks our way as well. <laughs> yes. Everyone's uh, cannibalizing each other now. Tough but fair. That's that's the room here. That's that's Friday afternoon drafts here on Splash Play, which of course we are doing every Friday as long as there are these tournaments out there. And uh, there will be different iterations that we're going to be doing all summer long. So coming out this and again, use that promo code Splash over at Underdog to double your deposit up to one hundred dollars. And um, it's honestly a lot of fun here. You can see the community that we're building. Um, it's nice to see some familiar names week after week. But and Pete obviously seeing even more with between this and ship chasing and the other stuff he's doing. But um, it's a lot of fun playing on Underdog. And I think this is really one of my highlights of my Friday afternoons every week. Yeah, I did. Um, last night I hosted a draft over on the Underdog NBA YouTube channel. We had a fun crew there, and we were ripping off some of the NBA playoff best ball drafts, which I know nothing about. Although I do know how to stack and make concentrated bets on teams, so we were doing those. It was very fun. Although one thing that's interesting, and I mean this happened in football too. It's just based on where you draft, you get funneled toward the exact same type of constructions. Like the one-on-one is often taking Giannis and then grabbing multiple bucks on the two, three wrap. If you're at the six, you're often looking at two sons players there. And so I think it's interesting to figure out how can you get unique with, without sacrificing too much value. We did have one really fun pick. Uh, Clay Thompson fell to us in the seventh round. His ADP oh. was like the three, four turn. So yes, I'm already, despite knowing nothing about the NBA, I'm already feeling slightly addicted because I just love that, that style format for the playoff best ball. One thing we haven't talked about, what's your MLB status? Cause did you take any of the swings and the bunt or any of those, uh, underdog draft, uh, underdog drafting service, excuse me, underdog MLB terms. That's where the brain function is, is really suffering. But I was intrigued by it. And I love, I like, I love MLB DFS conceptually, but I didn't do any best ball drafts for it. And I kind of feel like I missed out because there might've been a little overlay. I think I saw on Twitter at some point. Yeah, I, I haven't messed with it. Um, I have a hard time uh, diving in when I, I mean, at least I know s- some stuff about NBA. I mean, MLB, then I'm really out 
outside of my skis. Although Nez, who is a ship chasing VIP, he's been doing a few streams for Spike Week with MLB stuff. So mm. if you're looking for some MLB streams, I, I recommend checking them out. Um, all right. We are on the clock here. Um, trying to see mm. what we have going on as far as potential picks here. Anything jumping out to you? You could talk me into Jacoby Myers. You could talk me. I don't think Will Fuller would be a fit for me. Like I just don't have the confidence he's going to be anywhere that we <laughs> that we know right now. Yeah, let's grab Jacoby. Um, so two guys that are a little bit further down in ADP and whatever. If Little Miss Brady wants to snake us, Godspeed. Um, obviously, Michael Hardman, Chief Stack, Sky Moore continues to be connected to the chiefs. I see it in mock drafts and various reports. Anthony Amico uh, over at ETR put out uh, an updated mock draft that I think hit my inbox with his sub stack uh, last night. And he had sky more to the Chiefs, So we might, we could try some of our galaxy brain uh, pre NFL draft stacks. Um, that's just some ideas for us. I feel like little miss Brady is definitely weighing if they should snake us on Nicole Hardman and they did not uh, Baker Mayfield. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, wow, getting their fourth QB there. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think Hardman is the move for us here. All right, let's do let's do Hardman lock up um, some kind of stack here. Yeah, I don't this have the confidence the to Sakai more because it feels like that's Juju's role. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's the one thing that I've kind of learned from like doing dynasty football and stuff is to not get too caught up with you know specific roles and specific volume because guys that are studs they find a way to earn targets and if sky Moore, if the chiefs draft sky Moore and he's a stud they're gonna find ways to get him the ball find ways to have him be complimentary to juju so i'm a little less worried about it from that angle but um it's also kind of silly to be making a pick just hoping that you land the stack with it too yeah, no, that's reasonable. I also don't mind George Pickens. I feel like that's another guy that's that's been there. And one of the rookies that's a little bit less buzzed about, like Olave, has been linked to the Cowboys. And uh, Garrett Wilson's uh, certainly a guy that probably should be the number one receiver taken. But I think Pickens is not that far behind from some of the stuff I've read. So I wouldn't mind if we'd gotten him um, at some point. All right. For the audio listeners uh, and for anyone watching, you can always subscribe to Splash Play on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Our team right now through 13 rounds, as Frankie does take our guy Sky Moore there at 13-7. We have Patrick Mahomes and Matt Ryan at QB. We have our three running backs, Javante Williams, Josh Jacobs, and Travis Etienne. Our wide receivers, we have fully beefed up. We now have Devontae Adams, Gabriel Davis, Tyler Lockett, Christian Kirk, Rashad Bateman, Jacoby Myers, and our stack, Miko Hardman. And we have Kyle Pitts at tight end. I finally am feeling a little comfier with how we've recovered at wide receiver. And now I think we could potentially take our detours for QB3, tight end two, um, potentially RB4. I think we're we're back open to being flexible here. I love professional broadcaster Pete remembering the podcast listeners out there and that we should reframe things. I feel like you're really, you're really taking this whole improvement in the off season to heart. You know what? I care about everyone out there. You know, the, the people who want to come see our faces. I got a new camera for you. The people who are at home, I want you to feel seen and heard. I want your truth to be felt here on this show. 
It is one of those things we, you know, hopefully you guys notice it on the show. Actually, honestly, hopefully you don't notice it and we integrate it so seamlessly, but we're trying to be better about slating things for the segments, reintroducing the topics and making sure that uh, we're not jumping from all willy nilly all over the place. Uh, so hopefully these these strides that Pete's making rises the tide of this show and makes it more listenable and maybe even more licensable for somebody somebody out there to, to give us some money and really back up the Brinks truck and, or the underdog attire accordingly. What I'm really trying to do is actually hypnotize you in a way where you don't feel the need to snipe us on the players we're trying to draft to complete our stacks. That's actually the end game here. I think that's a reasonable one. Uh, let's see. Has, has Spag seen the second camera angle? Yes, I did. I did see the Hulk cam for Pete. I personally don't think we need it on Splash Play very much, but I get why you do it. What do you mean? I mean, that you don't want to tell me that you don't think we need it on here because that just means I want to do it. Uh, see, what the, my problem with, and I'm not going to do it, is because I need to work on my set for the alt cam. I need to get a little light, you know, get some visual gags over here, you know, so we'll, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. What was the logic with the second camera? Is that just for cuts? There wasn't, there wasn't truly any logic. It was, I had a webcam. I replaced it with a camera. And instead of putting it in a drawer, I just decided to put it on the other monitor there. Oh, okay. I, that is, it's a type of logic. It's not a good logic, but it's a logic. Yeah. Yes, but don't worry. Uh, now that I know that the chat likes talking about it and that it could potentially tilt you, I mean, that's just a full-blown, full-steam-ahead green light for me. Well, it was that other one, too, that you had where um, you were you're doing it and there was a third Pete in the room <laughs> on the stream yeah. yard of just another camera angle. That's that's not where I am personally, but I, I certainly respect your commitment to it. Yeah. Remember when you said we've, you know, tried to up our game with our production that did revive me to the part of the show where I just did the rest of it from my couch on my phone. So I guess you could say, uh, you know, we, we've come a long way. Yeah, you've come a long way, baby, as we always say <laughs> this show amongst ourselves. Uh, pure Hulk of Flex, people are saying. When are we getting the Great Danes? I don't know what that means, Pete. Um, I don't, oh, that's because Joe has a Great Dane. Um, uh, let's see here. Yeah, quarterback is getting extremely gross. I don't mind Noah Fant at this price, and we already have Lockett. Um, I just think he's a legit talent and you know will fall into the end zone a few times. Um Running back, this feels pretty flat to me. Wide receiver, pretty gross. What do you think? I think Noah Fant's fine to me. Um, yeah, we got another guy we took last week in our our beautiful Drew Locke stack that I'm very proud of as long as he actually stays the QB and DK Metcalf doesn't get traded. Uh, but I do think Noah Fant, like, especially if DK, DK Metcalf does get traded, like Noah Fant's got to rise to the tide no matter who's at QB there. And what are you feeling for this pick at 15-2? I... I will say I'm running out of things I feel strongly about at this junction in the draft. I mean, we do need to think about our QB three. It doesn't necessarily have to be now, but they are, we are running out of them. I mean, hmm. I, I feel like at running back, I was down to take one of your pass catching running backs just to kind of flesh things out. So to me, like a McKissick, a Gainwell would be of a, Oh of a wait, what if we get, no, we get Heinz to finally get something with our Ooh. Matt Ryan stack. Okay. That works. And yeah, and some leverage in case Jonathan Taylor, something goes amiss there. That works. Yeah. Um, I think that that works out. Are there any other pass catchers on the Colts that you'd be interested in? I mean, we could consider uh big Mo Alley Cox as well. I think to, if we wanted a third tight end to stack. Yeah. I mean, who, who else is even going to be there? Like T Y Hilton will be there, but probably not great. I mean, he, he wasn't terrible last year, but certainly we saw the other side of the hill coming. Um, Paris Campbell. Like I feel like they're actually pretty primed to take a rookie. You would think. 
I would think so. And that would make sense. You know, they, they kind of refuse to hit the reset button on their quarterback situation and keep bringing in bridge quarterbacks. So what do you do with a guy like Matt Ryan at this stage in his career? Um, you probably try to surround him with as many weapons as possible. So I, I could see that. Um, Actually, Corbin making a good point. I won't even do the accent here because it is a good point. Julio, maybe um, a guy who's still floating around out there, I think was linked to the Bucks. I don't see that being a fit, but him on the Colts, like maybe that does give him enough juice to get through on weeks that Pittman doesn't uh, doesn't ascend the way that we'd like him to. No, please say the word Julio in a British accent. I think we all we all need that. I'm Corbin Welsey, and I tout Julio. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> You got to really uh, savor every every syllable. Of there. course, Joshua Frick coming in with the fast <laughs> snap stamp of approval on a Julio tout. He also wants to take Jacoby Brissett for some reason, which I I get why people do that. I, I don't think that's the move for us. Yeah, I mean, I realize that there's people out there in the world who would have that thought. I would never personally, but it is a free country and it is 2022 and you're able to you know exist on whatever QB spectrum you want to be on. But I don't want to be on that spectrum. At this point, too, like the more time goes on, I'm not even confident Deshaun Watson's going to get suspended. Like, I, I feel like I've definitely in my head, he's been like, oh, you know, he might get up to six games because I feel like there were enough reports around that. It wouldn't shock me if he just gets one or two or ends up getting zero just because there was nothing that moved forward besides civil suits uh, that could happen. So, I like, again, I'm not a legal expert. I'm not one to speak on it. But I feel like just the longer it goes on, I, I don't know. It wouldn't shock me if just nothing happens to him. Yeah, I mean, at this stage, I mean, unless you're smoking pot or gambling legally, uh, that's your only chance of getting in massive, massive trouble by the NFL. Everything else seems to be fair game. <laughs> yeah, you're putting fucking $50 parlays down as a multimillionaire. Oh, God forbid, I bet on my team. If you bet against your team, you know, fine. But I, that's one of those. We talked about it on the show, I think, at some point. But um, actually, we never really talked about it in depth because that was when we were on our little spring break. Calvin Ridley should not have gotten suspended like that. If you're betting on your team and it's like low money, like, I don't know. I just think, yeah. I mean, the, the thing that frustrates me about Calvin Ridley is like, I understand by the letter of the law that mm -hmm. he probably needed to be suspended but it's like dude just bet on an offshore where they can't like auto track you where you deposited in bitcoin like he's he's just dicking around having some fun getting a little sweat in like there's plenty of places he can find a bookie if he wants to do it under the table like just be smart about it dude See, I feel like I feel the other way about it, where I think the fact that he did do that, like I care more about betting be, being destigmatized and I care more about it not being um, just completely awful, like being, you know, something that people are afraid of. So that's something to me where it's like he should be able to make that bet. He shouldn't be making regular bets when he's playing against himself. Like that's certainly things that should get flagged. But to me, it's like, you know, it's just it's all relative. And I think they put the hammer down because it's like we have to make sure nobody else even comes close to the worst possible outcome, even though this is like a completely innocuous version of what betting, you know, on football for a football player looks like. But the thing that sucks is that's the talking point that the NFL has always tried to protect against with like big sports betting complex is like, well, what if these players, the incentives get misaligned and they're, you know, going Pete Rose and, you know, throwing games and stuff like that. So anything that intersects with that narrative, they're going to be so quick to shut down. And so it's like, Obviously, if Calvin Ridley was betting on MMA or, you know, whatever it was, like the fact that he went into that territory that the NFL is so protective of. And then it's just like you can just start to go down the rabbit hole. Well, what if Calvin Ridley knew something internally about the Falcons and then another team could have taken advantage of that? Like, I don't buy that, but I'm just saying the NFL was never going to like the optics on that.
So I don't think you're going to want to do this, but we do have Kenyon Drake there if we really want to leverage. <laughs> just the no, we're not. We're not handcuffing Josh Jacobs. Get out of here. All right. Um, um, yeah, I don't. I don't even know at this point. <laughs> uh, James, why Cook. don't we, why don't we take Mo Alley Cox to get okay. our double stack with Matt Ryan, and we can be done at tight end. Okay, that works. Um. Yeah. And then we do need to like. <laughs> I mean, what's our what's our QB three game plan here? We might have to go to two scratch offs potentially Colin Kaepernick is getting drafted at all. Like, he, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I support it, but we, you know. we might just need to give in. I, after someone cut up the part of me saying I would never draft Jacoby Brissett, we might just have to draft Jacoby Brissett and, and hope Watson doesn't play. What if we took Taysom Hill? <laughs> I mean, we, we need to, we need to take some guys that are bodies. Mm. Yeah. I feel like, Taysom Hill or Huntley would be interesting to me. If we're taking, we can also wait because I don't know. Let's grab another receiver and then we could potentially be um, born Chanel Collins, Hamler Palmer, pick one Uh, Palmer. Go back to the AFC West narrative. Maybe Mike Williams or or Keenan Allen goes down. Josh Palmer. We saw fill in and be competent. So I think that that's interesting to me. All right. So we have, Three more picks left. We're at two, four, eight, three. I think we're done at wide receiver. We're done at tight end. So three more picks. To me, we go one more running back in two total scratch off QBs. Do we, is Desmond Ritter still available at QB? No. If they are a rookie with a pulse, they're gone. Carson Strong is still like somebody who could end up on a team because he does have an arm. Um, I would definitely have preferred Ritter, but I think that, strong if we want to take a rookie that could theoretically maybe start somehow joshua frank begging us to take jacoby then we shit on it come back around on it and now he's saying no it's too late i don't want you to take him out of spite yeah carson strong has at least one arm that that is true it it is a strong arm ironically enough Uh, the consigliere also wants you to take lavisca for the clip's sake but i I feel like at this point the clip just feels like salt in the wound that's already gaping from years of pain (laughs) It also the way StreamYard works, you have it by show. I would have to jump over to the ship chasing one to do it. If you want a clip in the splash play hopper, it's going to have to be either the intro music or welcome to the family. <laughs> I think everybody wants welcome to the family back. It's honestly funny though. Cause like all season long, we're doing silly impressions and bits. And then it's the off season. We're like, yeah, let's just do normal shows and talk like human beings. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite part. When someone who is in the draft, it hasn't been commenting at all, comes out of the woodwork because they're mad that they got sniped on uh, Joshua Palmer. <laughs> Let me tell you what, Aaron, uh, there are no ADPs once we cross the you know 15th round uh, Rubicon. Uh, it's a flat tier there. So go get your guys. It's been a brutal draft. We got sniped on Pittman unnecessarily, and now we decided to pay it forward. Get wrecked. Have fun staying poor. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think those are all reasonable takes and <laughs> it's not a little hurtful. <laughs> Sorry, I'm reasonable. fired up. You know, it's been a very adversarial draft. I feel like it's been a, a game of musical chairs of upsetting each other, just constantly passing the buck onto someone else. And now Aaron has been on the, the brunt end of one. Look, I, I'm glad, honestly, if we could evoke that kind of reaction for people just from our drafting, then we've done something right. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, boy, there's not a lot. James Cook at running back, I also wouldn't mind. It's, I mean, somebody's probably going to snipe him given the amount of picks left in his ADP. Yeah. I mean, we're fine if Patrick Mahomes and Matt Ryan don't ever get injured 
and finish one, two in quarterback scoring this year. I mean, in, in which case we're, we're, we're great. <laughs> Is it, it's not crazy to think that Matt Ryan can be a top 10 QB and like a good offense that, you know, or like a smart offense. Yeah. I mean, it, th- it seems a little thin just cause they're going to want to run the ball so much, but yeah, maybe they get, if they get a, a sick wide receiver, uh, in the draft, maybe, maybe they can, uh, take it to the next level, but I mean, you got to think that you're like, Taylor's going to see more eight man boxes this year, which why, like, I don't mind our Heinz approach. Like I, don't, I, I just think like, you know, like people do like teams, obviously are going to spend all off season watching tape of the Colts and they're going to see also tape of the Falcons and go like, Oh, Matt Ryan might be washed. Let's make them throw. Like, I think there's a world here where the Colts end up passing more than expected. Yeah. I mean, that's the story this lineup is telling you or telling us. I'll say that much. <laughs> am I, am I Stockholm syndroming myself? <laughs> yeah. our that's the beauty of a best ball draft is again, it's, it's not trying to draft the best players. It's just, if that story gets told, can you benefit from it? And you can always tell a story about the, the piece of shit team you drafted. That, that's one of those cliches. Like we talk about a lot for showdowns and stuff. And All right. We're doing Brissette. We're doing Brissette. Really, you want to go Huntley to leverage against? We're gonna we're gonna get Lamar. both. <laughs> okay, we need fine. two more QBs. All right, we fine, fine. I hate that we let Josh win. <laughs> no, he didn't win. He didn't want us to take him. No, he said don't not take him out of spite. He double negative us. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to not not take him because he didn't want us to not not take him. You know. <laughs> Honestly, Josh, uh, Josh did. Uh, I think Josh has been having a tough week. I, I, I don't want to spoil Josh, but Josh is going through a tough issue with his dog. Like his, I, I don't, I, whatever. Sorry, Josh. Josh's dog jumped off the couch and fractured vertebrae and had to be put down. And it's like, like, I, not that's a reason for us to be influenced by our draft, but we love Josh, and that, that crushed me to hear because I'm obviously going through my own issues with my dog Callie, as I've talked about on here with her fighting off cancer as best she can. Um, so if we give one good one to Josh, um, and give some love to Josh too, I think, uh, well, the Jacoby Brissett could be our gift. Well, one. I hope that Josh gave you permission to share that news, and that you're not sorry, Josh. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Josh like will appreciate the sympathy and the love, and that's what we we care about. Everybody who's in our yeah. our shows and our our community or whatever we whenever we call it. And Josh has always been a good guy who's been on the show as our viewer guest, and uh, so wanted to give him some love too because I know that yes, um, I love my little beasts, and I can't imagine anything like that. Very sorry to hear uh, that, Josh. We appreciate you always hanging out in the chat with us. Um, Casey, can't wait for randomizer drafts that tell a story. Do we have a launch date yet, Pete? Yeah, I think I think it will be after the NFL draft. Um, I want to uh, make sure I have everything ready to take the show to the next level this year, getting some more stuff set up with my live stream production and all that good stuff. So yeah, we will probably start after the NFL draft. And uh, I'll also be firing up best ball breakfasts breakfasts on Mondays. Uh, did those at 10 AM last year throughout the summer. Maybe I'll start that a little before the NFL draft. We'll see, but yeah, I mean, once the NFL draft hits, um, which isn't far away, I mean, we're, we're going to be in blast off mode here with randomizers drafts on splash play everywhere. Yeah, and that's one of those things too. Uh, to make to finish my point about telling a story, like it's it's such a cliche, but that is like a really important part of this. And I think with best ball even more, where like I've heard it enough with showdown, and I had internalized for best ball that is an important thing. We talk about a lot here, where it's like you know what are the angles here? Who fails and results in another guy being propped up? You know what? Who gets hurt? Like last year, I didn't get a lot of Dalvin Cook. I took Madison. Some of my best teams in best ball ended up with Alexander Madison because of those weeks that he kind of propped up what they were doing. Like that is a very important part of of what. We're 
we're, you know, of what we're about here. And, and as cliche as it sounds like, you know, just remembering these angles and, and when you don't take one angle or one's right there, it's important, I think, to try to cover your ass on the other side because you basically made a bet that this thing that is everybody else is playing based on ADP isn't as likely to happen as they think. Yeah, and there's, uh, you know, I think, you know, one of the things that's so fun too is how your familiar familiarity with these drafts kind of compounds and you, you can come into Best Ball Mania after the draft just as a much stronger drafter having those reps under your belt in the same way when we were all ripping off puppy drafts in the middle of the summer. And then you come back to maybe sprinkle in a big dog draft. Maybe you're rounding out your best ball mania, uh, portfolio. Like you come into those drafts with such confidence because you have so many reps. So I like how this is kind of progressing us through, uh, the off season. And, uh, I do think you become a much better drafter just by getting these under your belt. Also, Paul, who's, uh, I, he's, I was inverted right on, on underdog. Yeah. Um, he's now finally one of your club VIPs, Pete, which I don't know if you normally shout out your members, but I'm going to do it. Cause I feel like Paul's uh, a regular here and probably should have been a Pete member a while ago. Well, I think what, uh, this is how I got him by telling, um, uh, Aaron to get wrecked and have fun staying poor. That's how I, that's how I convert. So, uh, I'll just continue to bully people in the chat to have more YouTube members, but no, thank you, Paul. I do appreciate that. Um, have a few different, uh, little membership levels. Some of them will get you access to the uh, Run the Sims channel where we'll be posting sim stuff for the USFL coming up. Um, then there's another tier with uh, Club VIP. So that's for our, our Top Shot crew. Have a great group there. And then there is the Randomizer tier, which is a little defunct right now, but that'll get obviously fired up once we get those drafts going. You can have input on what prompts go on the wheel and you get first come, first serve on those being in those very positive EV drafts as well. So thank you, Paul, for becoming a member. I don't know if you're in the Discord or not, but you can get synced up and unlock those channels. Also, we love to talk about the odds of events here, of course, with, with betting being so important to what we do as, as people and human beings. Um, USFL, still not up on DraftKings. Like, are we now <laughs> to a point that it's just not going to be there till like Friday, Saturday? It's going to be like a 5K tournament? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of sympathetic to it. I mean, the teams continue to have roster moves. I know Cody's still been been sharing a bunch of those, and so they're probably just waiting so they can make the best possible, you know, salaries. Uh, sorry, we're on the clock, and I think yeah. we're going to add a final running back here. Um, I, a lot of Duke Trey, one of those two. Yeah, I mean, I continue to like Trey. Yeah, I mean, look, they're, the draft capitals there, follow the draft capital, something a lot of uh, sharp best ball people talk about a lot, and I think I, I certainly don't have an issue with that. And we've seen the injury history of a lot of these guys at running back, and maybe even, who knows, maybe even Debo forces way out of town, there's just more carries to go around. Yeah, and Mark hit, hitting up the same question we were just talking about, um, news on USFL DFS, yeah. Um, we don't have anything yet. I mean, my just guess is that Monday or Tuesday we'll get contests up, and the way this stuff will work is if we fill them and we fill them quickly, they will continue to make them bigger as we go. So I know that's what we're all crossing our fingers for. Can we get big USFL contests, 50,000 up top, hundred thousand up top um, that will help stoke the flames of excitement, I think surrounding it. Um, but I do think it's encouraging for the amount of content 
that I'm hearing is going to be built out around this. Obviously, Spags and I have talked about how we're excited to talk mm-hmm. a lot of USFL on Splash Play. Cody Main heading up the ETR product. I saw 4 for 4 had done a partnership with Run the Sims. They're going to be doing a show over there on USFL. And, you know, if I think back to the XFL, I know PFF, everyone, Football Outsiders, everyone's going to be getting in this USFL content game. So hopefully just by fear, pure uh, force of nature with all of us making content on it, we can get these contests big. And I think the goal is that we should be doing, because it is next week that it does roll out. So I think we should be trying to do ride or dies next Friday for the USFL. And maybe there'll be salaries out on Monday to talk about, but we will be back on Monday at 2.30. And of course, Friday at 2.30 as well, doing the best ball draft. We'll do some USFL next Friday, hopefully. So that'll be some fun on here Monday. I don't know. People do so. <laughs> we'll do something. We'll figure out something to talk about. Well, maybe, maybe that will be, if we could get, Maybe we get salaries. If we get salaries so. Monday, that that would be fun. The other thing we could consider, Spags, because I do have flexibility, um, we could do we could kind of flip our programming next week and do a draft Monday, and mm. then do USFL Friday when God knows we better have information on USFL by Friday. All right, yeah, no, let's do that. So let's plan on Monday being the the rollout or not the rollout, the the best ball draft. Friday we'll do ride or die picks for USFL. Hopefully, hopefully we'll have salaries out by Friday. I think that seems like that has to happen at least for the showdown that'll be on Saturday with the debut game for the USFL. Uh, but we are going to be doing the best we can here. So make sure you are subscribed to Pete's channel. I'll subscribe to Pete's Deposit Kingdom channel for some short form stuff that'll be coming out there. And of course, hit the Splash Play channel as well because we appreciate that. More stuff coming down the pike there as well. Follow at Chris Spags. Follow at Peter Oversett. Follow at Splash Play Pod because I make sure to follow everybody back on there as long as you are not a private account. So one way to know that we are seeing your tweets is going to be doing that. Any final words for you, Pete, before we call it quits? I guess plug the MMA show one more time. Yeah, well, uh, normally I am off for the weekend, but we're going to do a, a special Lulz live hang tomorrow night during the MMA card. We're going to kick things off around nine. We got some subs to give away. I think Osmo said he was going to give away a one-month Osmo sub. Um, maybe we'll get a, a run the Sims. Brian, I think, is going to give away some some top shot moments. We're going to be drinking and uh, watching the MMA fight. So build your lineups and uh, come hang out with us uh, tomorrow night at nine. Yeah, very fun card for UFC 273. So go check that out on Peach Channel. And we'll see you guys on Monday at 2.30 for a best ball draft. Enjoy your weekends, guys. See you soon.